0: Well, good morning once again, and we are getting one week closer to being able to be together. I did want to begin by uh, saying that for anybody who would like to meet with me in person, um, I am going to start doing that again. Uh, I took a few weeks away from doing that. And um, yeah, if anybody would like to, to meet with me or have me come over and visit, just call me or send me an email or a text, and I'd, I'd love to see you. I hope you're all doing well, and... Uh, I hope you're all enjoying the the nice spring weather. Continuing in the Gospel of John this morning, John chapter 5. And I really hope that these passages in John 5 have been edifying. I know that these are very theologically difficult passages, but I think that it's good to study them in the depth which we are, because um, it's God's Word, and I think the more we know it and study it, I think the more blessed and enriched we are by that. And again, I, I hope that these have been uh, a blessing to you. I know that these sections for me are just exhilarating to to cover. And uh, I also want to mention that once we get through chapter 5 in John, um, chapter 6 starts to get into more narratives, more stories, and it's all important. It's all God's Word. I think those are probably a little bit less theologically complicated than the sections we've been in in the last couple of weeks. But again, I, I hope that you've uh, enjoyed our study in John. So again, our passage, John chapter 5, verses 24 to 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because... He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we again come to you in a spirit of thanksgiving as we praise your holy name. May we marvel at your majesty over your creation. We praise you for the gift of everlasting life, which is available to all through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us our sins, O Lord, as we are fallen people in a fallen world. We struggle with areas of selfishness, our failings, our instances of pride, the times when we choose sin over you. Lord, may we come to you on our own in confession of our sins. Lord, may you strengthen us to repent and to more and more live for you. May we be daily sanctified through your word and by the power of your spirit. May we be transformed from one degree of glory to another. I pray for each of us that we trust in Jesus, that we know him personally, that we know the salvation that he promises, that we believe in the life that he invites us into, that we have placed our hope of eternity onto his work and that we might look to him as the greater priest who offered the final sacrifice, as the greater son who makes us worthy to be your children, and as the greater sacrifice who gives his own life so that we can be forgiven. May we all trust in that, Lord. For any of us who are hanging onto any vestiges of self-justification or trusting in our own goodness as what will make us right with you, may we turn away from that and trust in Jesus, It is entirely by his work of a perfect life and his abounding grace that sinful people are forgiven. We praise you as the everlasting and eternal God. Would you grant us ears to hear as we study your most holy word? In Jesus' name, amen. Our society loves justice. Six of the top 20 highest grossing movies of all time are Marvel superhero movies, which all ultimately revolve around good versus evil. Other movies with themes of good and evil pervade the list of the top 20: Star Wars, Avatar, The Lion King, and on and on. Many of our most popular television shows are in the legal sphere, either related to police or to lawyers, or to both. Blue Bloods, Law and Order SVU, Chicago PD. FBI, SWAT, SEAL Team, the new Hawaii 50, the new Magnum PI, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS Los Angeles, just to name a few. The most popular DVR show on television in America last year? Live PD. When there's a high-profile trial, cable news networks seem to follow it 24/7. You have entire TV channels that are dedicated to crime. You have court TV. You have investigation discovery, which is basically the true crime channel. You have headline news, which is basically the forensic files channel. And our love for justice carries over into other domains of life. For instance, in sports, if a consequential call is botched by the referee, there's outrage among fans. Even if it's a team that a person doesn't even care about. We like seeing the right thing happen. We like seeing the person win who deserves to win. Because it's what's right. We love justice. But justice so often doesn't happen on the timetable that we want. We see despotic dictators who have led nations in misery and oppression, live to old ages. We see scoundrels who cheat Yet Get ahead in business. We've seen crimes go unsolved and the culprits get away with it. I'm sure most of us, all of us, have known people at different times in our lives, either in school or in business, who have cheated, and never, got, never got caught, who got ahead through dishonesty. It grates against our sensibilities and our sense of justice, our sense of right and wrong when this happens. But here today, we come to our passage as we continue in the Gospel of John. And in this section, we learn that ultimate judgment belongs to Christ. If you recall last week, we made a couple of important affirmations, which will be again relevant today. First, that Jesus has the power of God. From John five nineteen, we learned, "...for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise." We learn that Jesus has the power over life from uh, verse 21. As the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. And we also learn that Jesus is the judge from verse 22. The father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. And our passage today carries over the idea of the judgment that comes from Jesus which is a direct result of our relationship with Jesus. So jumping right into our passage this morning, beginning in verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. Beginning of this verse, Jesus says, truly, truly. And the Greek word there translated as truly is amen, from which we get our word, amen. It's the second time he's used that phrase in this chapter so far, and Jesus does, does that to emphasize the importance of what he's about to say next. Based on verse 24, what does Jesus say is the way to eternal life? Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life whoever hears my word. The word which Jesus is speaking of here is the fullness of Jesus' teaching and gospel which he has revealed. And the true hearing of this word isn't merely about the sound waves entering your ear canal. It's hearing his word and responding to it, truly hearing it, living by it. Whoever hears this word and also believes In the one who sent him. In this overarching section of John chapter 5, Jesus keeps making these statements that show us the profound unity between the Father and the Son, while also showing us the distinction between these two persons in the triune God. And what Jesus is saying here is that to truly believe in God is to accept Jesus. That the two are so united that you cannot have one without the other. And Jesus says that the person who believes has eternal life. And in the Greek, the form for has, in this instance, it is in the present tense. It's not that you will have eternal life. It's that when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus' word and in the God who sent him, you have eternal life. Jesus says he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Just as we have eternal life when we believe, it is also a present reality that we withstand the final divine judgment on account of what Christ has done for us. The person who does not believe is already in judgment. We are born in sin. Our default human setting is condemnation and judgment Unless someone has heard the word of Christ and believes the one who sent him. The one who does believe has passed from eternal death to eternal life. In verse 25, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This verse once again begins with truly, truly. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It's a paradoxical statement. An hour is coming and is now here. There is a future time when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. There is a future time when all will stand in judgment before the Lord. All will be resurrected, no matter how righteous or unrighteous, no matter how good or evil, everyone will stand before Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That time is coming. Justice is coming. There will be a day of reckoning. And the judgment will be perfect and righteous. We're oftentimes not good judges of character, us as people. Have you ever thought that someone was really a stand up person when you first met him, only to discover that they were anything but that? Or have you ever disliked someone when you first met them unfairly, only to discover that they were actually pretty solid. In our legal system, which strives to be just and fair, human judges are still people and therefore still imperfect and fallible. In 2010, three researchers from the U.S. and Israel tracked parole rulings of eight judges over a 10-month period. These were not new judges to the bench. On average, they had been judges for 22 years. In reviewing 1,100 parole board hearings, the researchers found uh, that the people had a 65% higher chance of being given parole first thing in the morning. Then, the likelihood lowered and lowered until either a mid-morning break or until after lunchtime when the likelihood of being granted parole spiked up again. There appeared to be a correlation between hunger or sort of crankiness in your willingness to grant someone parole. But with Jesus, he is the righteous divine judge who will not let a little bit of hunger sway him. Jesus judges perfectly, and that judgment is ultimately based on faith in him. Everyone will stand before Christ But in our passage, Jesus also says that the hour is already here as well. And so we have this tension between what is here and what is coming. How is it that the time is also already here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God? What Jesus is saying is that by his presence in the world, during his ministry, those who are spiritually dead, those who... Are dead in sin, but who hear the word of Christ and respond, they are given eternal life. And that promise is for us today as well. We will all stand before Christ in the future, but Jesus also ushered in the time through his word for people responding to the truth of the gospel and who he is. Where is your hope? Where is your justification? Is it in yourself and being a good person, being good enough, doing a little more nice than bad? Or is it in the Lord Jesus, the one who is the judge who promises everlasting life because he himself bore our punishment? Jesus is not saying, believe what you want. He's saying, believe in me. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. In verse 26, he says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Another loaded statement. This might be the most difficult verse we've come to, in all of John so far, in our study of John. I think a lot of pastors would basically gloss over this verse or think it's too complicated for people to understand. But we're a church that loves the Word of God and that honors and studies the Word of God. So just give me a moment here. Let's try to tackle verse 26. The first part is simple enough. God has life in himself. God is self-existent. That's clearly attested to throughout the bible. But the verse says that the father has granted the son also to have life in himself. So far in this passage we've already seen the homage that the son has given to the father. Quoting again from 5:19, Jesus says, "The son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the father doing." There is a submission between the son and the father. And I mentioned last week that Jesus is subordinate to the Father during his lifetime. And I also said last week that I believe this subordination began at the Incarnation as Jesus was fully God and man. A point that I did not make last week is that Jesus is also eternally the Son of God. And for that I think of Sonship somewhat like a title. The Father is eternally the Father, Jesus is the Son who is eternally the Son. But that is not saying, it is not saying that Jesus is created. Once again, to quote from the opening of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning. And then John chapter one, verse four, speaking of Jesus, goes on to say, in him was life. So with that, back in our passage in chapter five, This is a very technical idea, but I take it that Jesus is eternally existent and eternally God. That's clear enough in the Bible. And in the relationship within the Trinity, Jesus is eternally the Son of God. Throughout John, we see the closeness of the relationship between the Father and the Son. We see a very giving relationship between the two. We see them both honoring each other. Again, I realize that this is a complicated idea, but it's worth exploring, again, because this is God's word. And there's also another very important point that needs to be made about verse 26, that it says that the Son has life in himself, and the fact that Jesus has life in himself speaks to his divinity. That's not something that I can say. It's not something that you can say. We are finite and frail. I think of all the measures that are being taken against coronavirus. There's a lot of fear in our society. In part because human life is fragile. It can be over in an instant. Every day, all over the world, healthy people wake up. And it's the last day of their lives. That's reality. We never know when our time is over. But with Jesus, he has life in himself. And it is because he has life in himself that he can give eternal life. It is because he has life in himself that we can have confidence in his promise of eternal life. Verse 27, and he's given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Again, Jesus is referring to his relationship with him and God. God has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. This is reminiscent of something Jesus has already said from our passage last week. Quoted at the beginning this morning, chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Jesus is the one who judges. 2 Corinthians five ten says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And i quoting from Romans 2, 16. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. And now we see both. Jesus is the one who will judge all men. He is the one to whom we will all give an account. And the reason why God has given Jesus authority to judge, as it says in John chapter 5, the reason is because Jesus is the Son of Man. Now that's a reference to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 talks of a divine figure called the Son of Man. Daniel seven thirteen, And behold, this is a, a heavenly vision. With the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. But then verse 14 begins to talk about the power of this son of man. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Son of man is the title which Jesus most often uses to refer to himself in the Gospels. Referring back to Daniel, the Son of Man has these qualities which speak to his divinity. But the title, Son of Man, can also refer to a person. So you have in the Old Testament qualities of this divine and human figure who has dominion and glory of an eternal kingdom. And what John is saying is that Jesus is this person, and that is why he is able to judge. As our passage in chapter five continues, Jesus says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who hear, I'm sorry, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Jesus is the judge of the world. There are certainly many scriptures which talk of God also being a judge and certainly any adjudication between the father and the son would be in perfect unity, perfect agreement between these two persons of the Trinity. Once again, all of this goes against any sort of idea that it doesn't really matter what you believe or that all religions are basically teaching the same things. Think about what Jesus is saying in this passage. Other leading religious figures do not personally claim to raise everyone to life. But that is exactly what Jesus says in this verse. Again, the gospel confronts you. That is either true or it's not. Not all religions believe that the Lord Jesus is both Lord and Judge. Think for a moment of all the billions of people who have come and gone before us. Every single one of them will be raised to life and stand in the presence of Christ. And that is also true for all of us and all who will follow until Christ returns. Everyone will be raised by Christ either to everlasting life and glory or everlasting judgment. Hitler will be raised. And so will Martin Luther. Genghis Khan will be raised. And so will Billy Graham. Ted Bundy will be raised. And so will C.S. Lewis. Napoleon will be raised. And so will the Apostle John. And so will I. And so will you. Jesus is the judge. He is the standard by which people are either reconciled to the Father or condemned to to eternal torment in their sins. Verse 29, Jesus says, and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Verse 29 is another one that might give us pause. Wait a minute. Isn't this all about faith and believing in Jesus? How is it that those who have done good are brought to resurrection life And those who have done evil are brought to resurrection judgment. Especially for the first part. The second part makes more sense. But how is it that people are judged by what they do? Isn't it all about faith? In John, good works and the good works to which Jesus is speaking of ultimately culminate in believing in Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, believing in him, receiving him. Again, we see in John chapter 3, verse 21, Whoever does what is true comes to the light, referring to Jesus, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And then the result of that true faith in Jesus is a life that is transformed and bears fruit. So it is not saying that we are judged based on works-based righteousness. We're not judged based on tipping the scale or doing more good than bad. That would make us our own saviors. Jesus judges based on our response to him. He is the one who has life in himself and has the power to give life. He is the judge who judges righteously. The faith in him must be genuine. The belief in Jesus must be real. He is the one who knows and who judges. What do you believe? Is he the eternal Lord who came into a sinful world and died to give everlasting life? Well, then our only response is to believe in the judge who came into the world and took the penalty of the guilty on the cross. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your word that points us to your truth and to your son, to your gospel. Lord, may our hearts and minds and souls be fully turned to Christ in love and faith and hope Lord, may he be our chief delight as we look to the just judge as the one who justifies us through faith, through believing in him. And may we continue to be transformed by your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.